Until a month ago, I was getting ready to go back to my office. Work from home was finally ending. I didn't anticipate something like this could happen, and I was really pissed that neither did our government. This second wave has not spared anyone. It feels like everyone is left fending for themselves. Doctors are helpless. We are all seeing a flood of posts for leads, beds, plasma, medicines, oxygen on our Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere. People are desperately trying to help, and we have lost so many lives in the process. We are dealing with unimaginable grief as a community. On today's episode of A Political Show, we explore what we think about this crisis. and ask some very important questions to a young doctor sanjana on how we can make things better hi jodi uh, how are you doing all good i guess i mean someone in my family just passed away because oh because the hospital ran out of oxygen oh god so, yep yep so yeah i mean i'm super charged do this episode uh okay it's just and what's been up with you my mental health has taken a toll these days yeah i mean i'm hearing these bad news every day that is quite understandable i mean i i just see i to always have hope that it gets better before it gets worse but at this point it all feels like sort of a doomsday scenario right yeah and i'm also wondering if it will get better you know i'm not sure people said that we will never cross 3 and a half lakh cases per day but now we're at 4 lakh and that number is very very scary chavi what are we doing here exactly get political okay let's get political all right chavi so what are your thoughts on the current situation like honestly what are your thoughts on the current situation so i think i have so many questions in mind like first of all who do i blame do i blame the government do i blame the people do i blame china who do i blame what are your uh, thoughts i mean at this point uh i would say that blaming china is probably out of the picture <laughs> because course. i think i think i think we have a, we had a fair share of that last year but yeah. what what you uh, sort of missed out on was uh, do we blame the state government or the central government I think I think I don't wonder about that much because I think the central government has sort of shifted this whole onus and that is again my opinion on the state governments now and uh, I really do want to very physically blame the central government because they have left these states isolated they have left people isolated and they have not really because last year we were, we felt like we had a plan right modi had a plan he came up with this lockdown this year we don't seem to have a plan every state is following their own plan and we don't really and we need to fight this as a country not state by state don't you think all right i mean uh, so the point that i was trying to make was quite simply that that the that's the issue that you highlighted right because it's sort of evolved the current situation has sort of evolved into a blame game a constant blame game between states and the center about okay who was responsible to get the vaccination drive in place who was responsible to get the oxygen cylinders in place who was responsible to set up the plants or who was responsible to not indulge in vaccine 
Mitrata or whatever the hashtag is. Uh, <laughs> so, what really this crisis has evolved out to be uh, right now is a perpetual blame game, wherein even we, even we, even I, am not really sure as to whom should I put my entire blame to. Should I blame Mr. Harshvardhan, who came out in public and talked about the benefits of cow urine? and said coronavirus can't solve research on indigenous cows he's the he's the union health minister mind you or should i and he's doctor harshvardhan yeah he's a doctor he's a doctor yeah yeah <laughs> i mean that might that might not land well because we are about to have a doctor on the show but sure i mean not all doctors are perfect i guess <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, similarly should i should i blame should i just blame modi ji and amitsha for the lack of foresight should i blame the election commission for having eight phases of the election out in west bengal should i i mean should you blame the people who voted these people uh, i think again i think see yeah. some things uh, i honestly believe that some things are sort of probably best not discussed i mean we are sitting in 2021 the bg bjp government has been in power since 2014 and i strongly believe that they've been up to no good but can we really can we really blame the people at this point i mean did anyone anyone really see that the pandemic was going to come in and did anyone really expect the level of incompetence that you're seeing here okay let's 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 talk about this let's really delve into this did anyone see this coming i didn't see it coming did you see it coming the second wave or the first wave the second wave i saw it coming you saw you know, it when coming i saw you know when i saw it coming when mid february when cases were started to rise in maharashtra and we were all going yeah. about our business yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, when yeah. that's when that's when right that's when yeah. and when and the government didn't see it coming until they had their election rallies until the kumbh mela was organized until everything was happened the government was just blind towards it so whose responsibility was it to actually make them show that the second wave is coming or were they just or were they just intentionally blind towards the second wave we don't have those answers we really don't have those answers we we sort of do we sort of do so you know there's a committee of epidemiologists who are supposed to meet uh, at least once a week and the committee was set up sometime last year it's basically a special task force now that task force that that particular task force did not have a meeting for the entirety of january and february okay and what was the reason i mean they just didn't feel the need the epidemiologists exactly feel the need so you blame the epidemiologist now i do not want to blame anyone i mean i i just want to blame myself <laughs> and the fact I mean, I just want to blame myself for my birth. I mean, had I had I been born in the eighties or the nineties, I know, or, right? Or, or I would have rather, much rather, been a very, very, very happy-go-lucky man as much as I am right now. Had I been born in New York, but yeah, I mean, again, had you been born away from all of this, had you been a person who did not believe in the virus at all, wouldn't that be amazing? 
Had I been born in China, though, had I been born in China, I mean, because they have solved everything, I think. Yeah, they have solved everything. They've solved they've solved mass hunger. They've just they they've got their own struggles, sure, but they've literally come out with a solution to every everything. Is that are we? Am I advocating for a dictatorship? Um, don't you think we're okay? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think maybe. we're there? Uh, not really, though. Not really, though, because. See, the thing with, with dictatorship is, you know that you're going to be in power forever, right? Yeah. So then, you actually stop chasing the power trip. Okay. Yeah. Which is so, not the case with our government. Yeah, but and I think this, they are there somewhere. Don't you think they are very fairly confident about themselves, given the Bengal elections also? But now, now speaking about that. you and i are trying to find a logical way to blame someone who does your father blame oh no that's an interesting question my father categorically blames the state this time around he blames the state the delhi the government state. no no not okay the state as in the government just the central government in fact yeah and my... do you think that has changed uh, from before like Do you think he would have generally uh, held state accountable in issues, or see my father and my political ideology sort of align? Okay. As in, we for the most part have given up. Yeah. On government in general, hmm. I mean, just yeah, you're lucky. And, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'll tell just... you conversations. Sorry, uh, sorry. Right. I'll tell you sorry. conversations that happen at my house. Okay. Uh. people at my house are avid aaj tak watchers they are constantly listening to very good modi good job congratulations we have solved the crisis we will solve this vaccination problem for the world <laughs> with that enthusiasm and that day i just went to my mom and i was like this on the day of that speech that useless speech in the night i just went to my mom i was like what was that that did not help at all we're in a crisis she was like you brought this crisis on to yourself you were going out you were doing parties you were doing vacations he did not bring this crisis on to this country why are you saying that so i think a lot of people are conditioned now to never blame the state yeah i think so too because uh, see i was having a conversation with a friend of mine uh what do you think the real cause behind this is is it the news channels or is it whatsapp or is it both um i think it's deeper than that it's not just news channels and whatsapp it's also the comfort of knowing that your state is doing everything good and you're living in a good country that pride that you're living in a good country and there are no issues around you that gives our parents like my parents at least a sense of comfort here that you know this country is worth living i'm enjoying in this country the state is very nice so i think they tend towards that news they like that news better they want to know that we are doing fine so that gives them that sense of comfort and that also and whatsapp feeds into it it totally feeds into that validation don't you think yeah i mean you're perfectly right there i mean a false sense of security coupled with the inherent confirmation biases that everyone has i mean it's a deadly combo bjp is all set set out to win in 2024 in 
all of the let's hope to change that let's hope to change that (laughs) i mean this podcast see i i have given up hope i have given up hope on all 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 parties all all sorts of government because i do not see a way out i do not see a way out out of the power trip dilemma yeah and you know there is there's one very interesting question that people ask like you know if not modi then who rahul gandhi you want rahul gandhi to be our prime minister but the point is at the first place at the first realm you have to realize that modi is not fit to be our prime minister you have been fed into those lies you are believing you are living in that sense of false security so that there was this meme i saw on instagram if not modi who i would rather vote for that 22 year old priya who is verifying oxygen leads so that some she can save someone's life i mean that's impactful she is doing something much more she is actually dedicating time of her life and 22 year old she is dealing with daily she is dealing with news of daily deaths it's it's heartbreaking that 22 year olds have to do this it is no sir sir no i i completely get it okay okay so now that we've discussed the blame game what do you think actually went wrong this time around i mean what let's let's just talk about the failures the failures the failures of the state the people every every failure you can think of let's let's just start listing them down first say that we underestimated the power of the virus scientifically very scientifically the virus had always had the ability to mutate itself and we knew the more it grows the more it will mutate right and this is something that we can pick on our on an interview later also we can ask her whether we should have vaccinated everyone in one go instead of you know releasing phased vaccinations we whether we should have let this virus mutate like it did no definitely so the thing is that uh when it comes to studying the virus and its trajectory and its variants and its mutants at one point you have to stop cutting slack to the government stating lack of funds or lack of resources because if see the news about the uk variant has been out for like 6 months now Hmm. or hold on okay so it's been about 6 months since we got to know about the uk variant now if they can and it's been about 3 to 4 months since we got to know about the brazil variant correct if there are three variants floating around globally both two of which have come from densely populated areas with hmm. a high rate of infection hmm when did we not make the clear cut when did we when did we not understand the clear cut implication that we are going to see a mutant of our own an yeah. atmanirbhar mutant yeah made in india of, mutant <laughs> a made in india mutant of covid 19 i mean this Absolutely. is this this is not even covid 19 i mean this is covid 21 in itself okay if fauci was india's health minister would you think do you think he would have seen it I don't know. Fauci, Fauci, Fauci is basically a speakerphone, in my opinion. Yeah, and he is recommending a total lockdown in the country. I mean, do you think that is one of the failures? We did not implement full lockdowns because I am here very dicey about lockdowns. Like, 
I am not in favor. I am also in favor. I don't know. It it makes people suffer a lot. We've seen them through the migrant worker crisis last year. We see that a lot of people lose their daily wage, and we also see a mental impact on a lot of citizens that they have to sit at home. Right? So, did we not implement lockdowns strategically? Did we implement them too soon? What went wrong there? That is also one of the failures, right? Here is where the real failure crops in. So. the entire thesis around lockdowns was that the center should not have taken the decision to impose a nationwide lo- nationwide lockdown everyone agrees on that hmm. right now a village in up hmm which probably sees outsiders of, from the village come in like once a week hmm had no need for a lockdown to be implemented absolutely year. absolutely right so what the government basically did was the government left it up to the states hmm now what that essentially does is what what would you call it it creates another dynamic altogether what is a lockdown essentially a lockdown is admitting defeat to the virus do you agree to that in some sense okay but continue right that maharashtra has said it out in the open that okay we failed to prevent the spread of the virus we failed to contain the virus and a lockdown is all we can do to pr- stop the spread now what what is the signal and messaging attract attached to that i understand who, who will the people blame yeah the state so government essentially yeah so essentially by decentralizing the decision mm-hmm. to impose lockdowns what the what the modi government did was something quite brilliant it left it up to the states and whenever it Center is saying, you know, please don't impose lockdowns. It hurts. Virtue people. signaling, right? Virtue signaling. Yeah, one one. absolutely. So, also lockdowns. When we talk about failure, lockdowns come into play both as a so it's breaking the chain of the virus, right? So it's obviously falling. It's an image issue that it's falling prey to the virus, but it's the intention is to break the chain, stop people from meeting each other, etc. so the lockdowns how they were not strategically implemented by the state governments also comes down to not having the central state governments did not have the responsibility in that sense they they were not answerable in that sense to impose those lockdowns when they were needed and also how does the state government determine that now is the time to impose lockdowns they see the number of cases growing up they see that and that data is also something that you know i'm not very sure about like a lot of people have still not yet received their a lot of people i know has still not yet received their covid positive reports they have recovered from it or they have suffered from it there is so much uh, in inefficiencies when it comes to the testing systems there is no data getting fed to the state government so how does the state government know that you know now it's time to impose a lockdown now it's time to break the chain it's always it always gets too late it always gets too late for them wasn't that a cop out you basically said that okay the states don't know any better that's mm. what the essence of your statement was that's basically mm. a cop out why do why did the states not know any better i mean i seem to be like a central government advocate here mm. at the risk of sounding like a central government advocate here mm. why did the states not know any better i mean yeah. testing was was testing a central agenda or a state agenda 
health is apparently a state agenda <laughs> fact also applies to the central government okay the point is they do, they did not know like they were not aware that whole committee of members who were supposed to sit was not sitting so that means that just comes down comes down to the fact that you know what i mean it furiates me to say this but the system is wrong <laughs> and why is the system wrong why is the system wrong because people when we elected these people we did not elect on the basis of a sound system we elected on the basis of religion that is the hard truth of the situation and when we elect representatives on the basis of religion we can't expect them to do anything about oxygen cylinders or complicated drugs or getting the nation vaccined so that is the whole point of the situation right now delhi should have imposed a lockdown earlier than it did i am divided on the subject honestly um, okay my thoughts are that lockdown does hurt it hurts a lot of daily wagers it hurts a lot of the population in delhi that depends on day to day interaction with people i mean they i don't think any government has the guts to stop that and it's just it's just it's way more uh, deteriorating to the people than you may think so i think this decision when it taking the decision of a lockdown is a very difficult one it's a very very difficult decision and exactly my point the central government last year just took this decision without thinking about anything and we learned from those mistakes right i mean this is a good thing right we're learning from our mistakes we learned that the migrant workers just can't just vanish collapsed. into thin air they just can't exactly. vanish into thin air yeah exactly there are yeah. people too and maybe it's it's more hurtful than you think don't you think Hmm. In an ideal case world, what would what we would have is in India at least universal healthcare. What we would yeah. have is arrangements uh, being made for the migrant laborers that have taken up the courage to come back to the city to work. What we should have done is, you know, announce the lockdown in like just like a couple of days in advance. What we mm. should have done is, uh, you know, stopped gatherings a lot. earlier what we should have done is ban flights a lot earlier i mean those are measures that lead up to a lockdown and i do not think that delhi took a lot of measures in that sense hmm the government just woke up and said okay we gave give up and we are going to impose a lockdown for monday and that's it the population delhi has you know uh, the amount of people that may need healthcare we we knew that the virus was coming right and the delhi government in let's just say they did not apply this whole thing of lockdown because of uh, they cared about the daily wages but they also did not ramp up the whole healthcare system they also did not stop flights coming in um they they could have done much more you're right the situation has just come on to people are fending for themselves yeah people are taking care of themselves people are watching videos people are calling up doctors they're desperate for help but they're just helping themselves so i think the situation in delhi and chandigarh and the entire country is extremely sad as it gets same and it's getting worse and it's getting worse and i don't see it getting better 
like i don't see waking up tomorrow feeling like okay the cases are going down and this is why because i don't see the why i don't see vaccination starting i can't still book a vaccination if i want to it's first may we were supposed to get a vaccination right i mean That's i got true. registered i registered on the platform i just registered my name is now appearing there chavi not vaccinated but i can't schedule an appointment what is up with that no but at least on the vaccination front what i believe that the biggest failure of the state has been with in terms of vaccine is just communication we have been particularly particularly bad at communicating and the uk started i mean okay it's not fair to compare ourselves to rich countries but when it comes to when it comes to this when it comes to vaccines in particular we have to compare ourselves to the rich countries right because we india is the vaccine powerhouse of the world do you know the number of vaccines that we've exported in quarter 1 2020 uh, quarter 1 2021 no it is 6.6 crores oh okay. 3.6 crores are what serum had to send out because of commitments mm-hmm. but considering our country considering a population of 130 crores i mean our prime minister goes on stage and says that i i bear the burden of 130 crore people on my shoulders uh he just ignored them right that's what ended up happening uh, around you know having differential rates for the state and the center what what's that all about is Absolutely. there any is there any 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 reason that states should pay more for vaccination i mean are the responsibilities between the state and the center segregated on the vaccine front the state center and pri- the private sector there's effectively three players where it comes exactly. to vaccine exactly and has there been any communication on that front so that's that's a system failure that's a vaccine system failure but when it comes to people when it comes to vaccine hesitancy what has the government done to promote to encourage people to take a vaccination right now i am under home quarantine hmm. because my father tested positive for covid 19 hmm while my father tested positive for covid 19 the only symptom thank i thank god for this i thank the higher power the higher consciousness for this but the only symptom that he got was that he was down with a fever uh, which was 99 degrees fahrenheit for 24 hours that was the only symptom that he got my mother did not develop any symptoms i did not develop any symptoms the vaccine is effective and people should go and get a jab whenever they can but the current situation does not really leave people with the choice to get mm-hmm. vaccinated exactly so thanks thanks for sharing that honestly thanks for sharing that whole anecdote about yourself because that actually proved that vaccines work science works it's simple right and now coming to the fact that why are people not getting vaccinated let me share a story of myself so there is a vegetable vendor he's 60 plus so he should have gotten vaccinated in the first phase itself i gave him all the addresses i gave him money to go to the center take a cab if he wants to i tried to arrange everything he went to the center he saw the line and he came back he was like i am not getting into this this is such a big line i am losing my day job doing this so the entire point is that right now getting a vaccination is such a complicated procedure 
like you're right the central government did not launch a campaign they have not done anything they have not told people where to go when to go exactly what to do people don't know people are fending for themselves वैक्सीन who to go to which center to go to what time to go to there is no planning at all there is no central campaign you're very right that that campaign is missing and that campaign has been very very successful in other countries if you think about it american government even if they were motivated by winning of the elections they vaccinated almost all of their population and you know americans are against vaccination americans hate vaccination they think vaccinations is some uh satanistic way of uh, getting americans to do whatever the government wants to they are they hate vaccination but the government achieved that they achieved that but why haven't we even done it till now it's not too late right we can do it today because vaccination right. campaign is critical right now it's the most critical i do not think we have the people would be on the giving end of the vaccine either right now I mean, we've had enough discussions about healthcare workers, but I do believe that we need some first-hand experience. So I would like to invite Sanjana Taneja. Sanjana just became a doctor at Lady Hardinge Medical College, and she's also twenty-something, so she probably understands where we are coming from, and she would know more things on the ground than we probably do. So yeah, hi Sanjana. Hi Sanjana. Hi. Hello. All right, so Sanjana, can you please tell us and our listeners, like the total five of them, as to what <laughs> you've been up to throughout this pandemic, and how does it feel like being the mo- being the most important person in all rooms? All right, that's a that's a heavy question. First of all, thanks for having me, and uh, thanks to all the five people for taking out such important time. But yeah, I mean, okay, so the pandemic has been uh, quite brutal, if I am being very honest. Um, so my entire family is into medicine, and I've seen uh, people serve at the front line. And I myself was a student till um, last month, and uh, it was it was a terrible terrible state of affairs. So all of us were basically just trying to. Uh, cope with the negativity around us, and just trying to get people to follow the right kind of advice, which is surprisingly hard even for the educated lot because everybody thinks they're doctors, so they believe in uh, self-treatment, self-medication, which is honestly impossible to deal with. Um, and yeah, so the first wave was pretty decent compared to what we're going through now. Never thought I'd say this, but yeah, so. Um, People were a lot more scared and a lot more vigilant, I believe, and uh, there was some sense of civic responsibility. And mm-hmm. now, none. Everybody's just uh, tired of staying home, tired of being responsible, and seeing people not do that. So right now, it's just um, a lot of anger towards authorities, towards um, people in general, because there is no sense of personal responsibility. So yeah, I've just been talking to people, trying to. talk sense into them and surprisingly doing a lot of admin work which is connecting people to resources which shouldn't be my job but has become mm. my job and that's kind of sad but it is work so 
I actually want to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Like, what went wrong this time? Like, like what happened really? How 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 are we here? Like, did the virus mutate? What happened? So, um, I think there is um a multitude of factors which came into play. Uh, the most important one, I believe, is uh, that we were all very um, careless, and there was a lot of incompetence—not just governmental, but also mm-hmm. from like a personal perspective. Uh, I personally know people who've taken way too many road trips, and I don't understand what was the point of this. And uh, they're showing off. Everybody is getting married, and it's creating problems for people around them. So yeah, that was that was one huge huge factor. I think our complacency really paved the way for this disaster. I mean, if you look around, every country really which was hit by the first wave had a worse second wave, and we just thought that somehow we'll skip that phase, which does it, which isn't how you know epidemiology works. Which um, I'm I'm surprised. I'm actually not surprised that our government didn't really follow through with what was promised. But whatever. So yeah. Um, complacency was one factor i think uh, a lot of it had to do with the different very different priorities in the government's mind so a lot of work which should have happened didn't happen and yes uh, of course there were mutations and um, they have been detected and there are a lot of uh, speculations as to why they came into being and how they came and where they came from but yes the virus is now a lot more infective which is scary but scarier part is that nobody is doing anything significant about it so yeah i want no, to ask you not, one yeah. sorry alright so we got sorry i want to ask you one more thing related to uh-huh. this i want to ask you do you see good news coming in do you see this getting better or you have no clarity right now see at this point i have very little clarity uh, but i do hope in the next couple of months um Uh, I do hope that the situation gets better because we are rolling out vaccines. Uh, it is going to be a slow and tedious process because, uh, once again, um, we got ahead of ourselves and without proper preparation and you know, without having the required logistics in place, we made a few announcements which shouldn't have happened. So the workload has gotten increasingly difficult for all healthcare workers. But uh, if the vaccine rollout process um, goes as planned um then we might have some hope if a good chunk of the population is vaccinated then definitely um they will face much lesser complications which is what we're aiming at at this point uh but um, unless we put our foot down and actively you know at every point of uh, at every point of care i believe uh, if we don't put the stringent measures in i don't see a lot of good news happening for a while so that's That's my perspective on this. Hmm. So on that, Sanjana, I mean, I just want to ask. I mean, doesn't isn't two months a bit long for a wave to go in and come out? Like, how do how do waves actually work? I I'm really I've always been curious about this because at this point I am of the of the fatalism mindset that if a wave is wave has come, the wave has to go, and if a yeah. wave has come in one week, it would probably end up going away in like couple weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Things will start to get better. The capacity that is being generated right now to mm-hmm. serve the patients that are in hospitals right now, the same mm-hmm. capacity will be used when these patients get discharged. So if um, people are coming yeah. to the hospital right now. They will mm-hmm. start. They will have to start going out either 
I mean, sadly, to crematoriums or back home in the next seven to ten days. Right. Um. So basically, what happens in a wave is that there is um lack of preparedness, lack of information, and uh, once the uh, a virus like this, which is so um contagious and so easily um. It, it spreads very easily and it's very infective. So what happens is, when a lot of people get in contact, it, there's like a boom which happens, and then either they develop immunity or they get vaccinated or they have the disease and they get treated um, or they die. So that's how that's how the wave comes and goes. But what we're seeing right now is that the wave in itself is coming in phases. If you if, if you look at Delhi, we can say that um, the numbers have been fluctuating. Um, not too much in the past few days so uh, we do we can somewhat say that the peak the peak is already here uh, but a lot of scientists also say that we have something much worse waiting for us in the next couple of weeks um so it's just uh, based on trends all over the world and indian trends but uh, like i said the wave is coming in phases so that's delhi right now it was a maharashtra for us and it might be another focus in the country in the coming few days so if we are having like these separate individual tiny waves in different parts of the country um then it might take a long time for us to actually say that uh, the major uh, burden is gone um so yeah and a lot of it has to do with the kind of testing and reporting that we're doing so obviously i mean um, maharashtra or mumbai and delhi are uh, kind of the big cities at this point so we know a lot more about these places but the situation is dire in uh, different parts of the country as well and i'm sure you know with all the um, facade of media that we're dealing with we we probably have no idea what what's going on actually on ground so yes the wave is peaking in different parts of the country at different points so which is why it's going to uh, be a little prolonged as compared to the first wave i believe Okay, thanks. So I feel like with that we are just getting into waves and waves. Like we're going through this wave, yeah, and then they, we are uh, we are preempting a third wave until until all of us are vaccinated, which is a huge task and which is a very difficult thing to do. So aren't we stuck in a cycle? We're stuck in the cycle of this virus where you know cases will go down. and people do need to get married people do need to go on vacations that need is also there in their mind so they take they assess the situation at that point and they do take those vacations so aren't we just spiraling into this virus i don't see a way out like how does india see a way out with so many people we can't really vaccinate them yeah no you're you're absolutely right um see the uh, when we were dealing with the first wave um, after a point it almost became necessary to open things up and you know go on about life as it used to be somewhat uh, before the pandemic hit but what we did not do at that point is prepare for the next wave so i think the only way out is a lot of foresight which uh, shouldn't be lacking anymore and a lot of preparedness uh, before the wave actually hit uh for example at this point if there weren't any uh if if we had planned it well enough then we would have a lot of uh infrastructure already set in place the vaccine portals would have been ready they must they would have been smoother than they are right now the availability would have been higher and with 
proper stringent laws in place i think their their implementation would also have been a lot easier on the government itself so i think because of their complacency i, I don't want to blame just one person but it is largely them because of their complacency i think they dug a hole deep enough for themselves and they're just um spinning that web and getting caught in it so with a virus like this we need uh, great great vigilance we do need to uh, go on uh, with our lives but keeping in mind the few precautions and um, our personal civic responsibility but also at this point uh, we do need um, a lot of um, on ground work which needs to go in because if people are getting sick and they're not getting treated it's going to prolong the wave like we talked about it earlier so if we have the required uh, resources in place the resource allocation is right then it will be a lot easier and a lot quicker for us to just go about well uh, honestly i would just like to go back to one bit which is it sort of feels like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders right it kind of does <laughs> yeah i mean and at this point is the government actually helping or is anyone actually helping your mental health or the frontline workers mental health okay. or their families or the support systems that they need to have in place i mean i am pretty sure that a lot of people are working around the clock now people are working without sleep people are inside the hospitals at all times there's reports of people or doctors treating patients and dying along with the patients i mean again i just want to you know dive deeper into this topic and i also want to talk about the insurance bit which we can mm-hmm. talk later okay so which part do you want me to address right now like um, yeah. oh, okay um. so uh, um i i actually at this point there's a lot of anger and a lot of frustration because i don't see anybody taking care of us uh, us being not just healthcare workers but also all frontline workers it's just something that is expected of us and sadly i've been told sorry yeah nothing 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 i didn't uh, yeah you. sadly i've been told that you know i signed up for this i did not i absolutely did not sign up for this yes i want to serve i want to be a good doctor i want to save lives but when the lives are being lost with no fault of mine i do not want to take responsibility for that uh what uh, secondly um, i think in a situation like this uh the frontline workers should be getting a lot of priority um not just in terms of remuneration or uh, you know uh don't treat us like gods but just give us the basic decent rights and just you know um just the basic rights that you owe us so i don't see uh, any institution or any uh, state or central based uh, scheme or law which is taking care of the people who are actually fighting this pandemic for them but yes there are citizen groups there are um you know small initiatives which are aiming at taking care of us but once again it's stemming from us ourselves so uh it's just it's just seeming uh it's just seemingly really difficult for me to believe that there's anybody who cares outside of the medical fraternity and i'm sure they do but uh it it's not very evident at this point so i don't think anybody's taking care of us right now and i feel very sad hearing this um Anything that we can do? Is there anything that normal citizens can do uh, to help the fraternity? Honestly, I think you you all are doing a really good job. Just connecting people, everybody's stepping up, and like I said, citizens are trying to have these 
mental health talks and circles and they're just trying to show us a lot of respect but that's once again the educated or the elite instagram community what about the people on the ground i mean they're they're just going to slap the doctor if the patient dies even the even though the patient died because of somebody else's fault and um, yeah so i think there has to be a lot of uh, uh, i wouldn't say respect i don't want to uh, appear as somebody who is very arrogant as someone with a god complex but i do think that people need to understand um that there is a limit to what doctors can do and there is a lot which is riding on our shoulders and a lot of it is out of our control we're not administrative people so just a little bit of understanding and uh, a lot more uh, awareness about who to hold accountable for is what is needed i mean i am not responsible for the lack of beds in my hospital i am responsible for the people on those beds right so just uh, awareness and correct accountability and just a little bit of empathy is what citizens can do i should do ideally all right so let's just talk about the insurance bit so what exactly happened i mean i suppose there was a term insurance policy yeah that was instituted by the government for all frontline workers in india mm-hmm. and it just got expired or it's expiring in like 15 days and yeah. the government is not renewing it uh huh is that correct uh yeah i mean um it is once again something which is pissing us off honestly <laughs> because we were just disposable amenities to them now so i just say that um i would say that it's it's just very evident the kind of priorities they have instead of actually taking care of their own people they're just saving image saving face so i don't really know what to say about this except that um it is evidently and very stringently wrong um because once again it's not something in our hands and we're not responsible for a lot of the losses that we're facing and we ourselves are losing lives on the line which is something that the state is kind of responsible for and they should have the decency to not take more things away from us so are there any steps take, being taken by the state or particular state governments or the central government to reinstate that policy is that i mean so i when i read that piece of news i did not see any follow up i mean that piece of news is like 10 days old yeah. how do you cycles work in the country is okay it's 10 days old everyone knows about this but it is a very grave concern i mean you see reports of doctors dying every day and if they do not have any term insurance in place i mean what happens after they die what happens to a doctor's family after the particular doctor dies is there anything being done on that front well i think at this point different states have different laws in place different um, provisions in place but there's no uniform approach to this uh, whole situation and um, there is a lot of information and misinformation and perspectives circulating in the fraternity and outside of it at this point but largely from what i understood from the bureaucratic bureaucratic part of all of this is that um is that the insurance is at, at this point um just sort of like fading away and there's no renewal uh, policy in place yet and uh looking into the reasons of it i did not find anything significant which could justify what is being done so i guess it's just once again a lot of variability and lack of efficiency in implementation of these situations which is just creating problems for not just us but everybody around us 
um so yeah that's that's one thing and uh, i do believe that this variability uh, needs to just be done away with during a pandemic which is not discriminating between any state or any person or any individual so i think there has to be a uniformity in the kind of uh, facilities that you providing your doctors and other healthcare workers and frontline workers all right i now want to talk about something controversial yeah so there's something that you might not agree with i am just mm-hmm. telling you beforehand right so what do you think about plasma donations and remdesivir both of those things what do you think about them well i think um, in certain situations they're absolutely necessary but in a lot of situations they're kind of uh, not needed for patient management and there's just um, a huge wave of information that people are propagating amongst each other which i think is uh, good when it's needed but also creating problems for when it's not needed so there's just a lot of misinformation also about these things all right so my opinion on both these things is that it's sort of a way for the doctors or i mean in a large part the state but we can come to that later it's sort of a way for doctors to share the blame when it comes to a patient's death if uh-huh. you see if you see someone dying on the bed Hmm. and you know that you can't save the patient right you might as well just ask the family to try and arrange for plasma and remdesivir and say it mm-hmm. might work because the family is most likely not not going to be able to arrange for either plasma or remdesivir plasma okay maybe yes remdesivir no chance all right so and the patient I dies anyway a, and, but the I doctor does not have any blame in this case okay that's what my right. uh you know eagle eye view is as i said mm-hmm. it might really sound very inappropriate but what do you think about that and chavi had a point yeah sorry yeah. i'll just add before that i have a very i have a simpler interpretation of the whole situation so mm-hmm. i read about remdesivir i read that it really helps in reducing the patient time in the hospital for example hospitalization time yeah. uh, in non critical cases non critical cases it helps in reducing that so the doctors are basically trying to do everything right now they're trying plasma they're trying remdesivir they're trying other steroids drugs whatsoever and it also depends on doctor to doctor right but in the end when a patient is dying at the on the bed the doctor is trying everything the doctor has to try everything so sanjana your thoughts so um coming back to what rajat said um that's a very interesting perspective and honestly i wouldn't say it's entirely uh, wrong to have thoughts like these because everybody is you know just trying to make sense of the situation um see a part when when you treating a patient like this is in general when you treating a patient every person responds to different medications in different ways and every person body has a different way of dealing with infections or uh, you know just um, recovery rates and recovery methods are different for people so uh, when you say that uh, this might be a strategy that doctors are using to sort of absolve themselves of certain responsibilities i'm not entirely sure that that's what doctors are doing i mean if you if you go into the hospital and you see the conditions we're working in uh we'd rather not be working in those conditions than coming up with uh, schematic ways to try and you know reduce responsibility on our shoulders uh but yes there might be some people um 
there is there is negativity in all professions there might be some people who are doing this and they're trying to shift blame to what uh, is actually not the actual reason behind patient's deaths so there might be situations like that too but if you if you think about uh, not just think about if you, if you look at uh, the on ground picture uh, at this point uh, certain essential drugs and medicines and something as simple as oxygen is needed for patient recovery and if you're not getting that no matter what the doctor does uh, the patient might crash so uh, it might not always be right to say that um, yes it's the lack of medication which killed the patient but statistically speaking that is what is happening right now because the only reason uh, one of the major reasons that people are dying is because of lack of availability of oxygen for which doctors aren't really responsible i mean you've all obviously read about how spo2 levels drop how saturation drops and the various methods that people are coming up with to improve on that um doctors are coming up with a advisories nearly every second day just to you know help people take care of themselves at home and even live with the minimal the minimal possible resources but uh, yes um, um the first and foremost principle towards treating a patient is the doctor's uh, vigilance um, towards the patient so if there is complacency at any level from the doctor's end it's not right for them to blame lack of resources but uh, that's also not some that isn't something which is happening uh, right now on a large scale the actual problematic thing is lack of availability of because if you notice um, it's been one year now and uh, throughout the year there have been many researches many studies which have sort of tried to figure out how to deal with covid and they have changed multiple times so the work is constantly ongoing and um, different drugs are being tried different methods are being tried that are just to save the patient i promise i'm not being defensive right now i'm just trying to uh, just portray how difficult it is for us to also understand how the disease works so it's it's tiring and it's uh, stressful but uh, you're absolutely right in saying that it's not uh, i think just plain lack of resources uh, somewhere somewhat there might be cases where lack of vigilance from the doctor's perspective is actually contributing to Uh, you can't ever rule that possibility out so yeah all right moving on i just had uh, one more counterpoint to this uh, there's been a lot of research on covid treatment covid treatment has been going on for over a year and there yeah. is not to shift the blame on doctors at all there's not about doctors has the state been updating the advisories related to covid alongside international developments because there's something that i read up on and again remdesivir is a part of that the us cdc yeah. says that you should not use remdesivir at all mm-hmm. right and the us cdc is like sort of the gold standard yeah. when yeah. it comes to epidemiology or any sort of diseases right. of any sort right so has the state or the people responsible so even they would be doctors right people running icmr or people running yeah. or releasing these guidelines they are also doctors uh-huh. so why mm-hmm. are they not why are they not being responsive to the global shifts to global uh- research right so um, i think when it comes to research and when it comes to development of strategies which work for different countries uh, not just the scientific acumen but a lot of uh, other factors come into play uh, in our country uh, the priority is always just you know get output there is such a huge load of patients that research sort of sometimes takes a back seat uh, and in a situation like these uh, this when uh, people are anyway really really uh, heavily loaded with work it becomes sort of difficult for them to 
you know constantly indulge in studies and trials and um read all of those things and um which is which is wrong but uh, also lack of investment towards these processes is a big big thing i mean you need money for research you need money for the equipment you need a lot of uh, learned population people who know how to read to give consent and there, there are many factors but uh, like you said that the cdc has certain laws or certain whatever um, recommendations which we're not following that's also because um, over here uh, we don't have uh, such an elite or such a well read or such a such an affluent population so what would work for the west may not work uh, in india there is this is not the first time this has happened and this is not the only condition uh, we do have a lot of uh, guidelines for how to treat patients for different diseases but in india on ground we see a lot of differences from that only because um, we don't have lack of resources and some drug is too expensive for people to afford which is in sanctioned by the government and then we end up resorting to uh, somewhat less efficacious i think um, tools which work to an extent uh, and the side effects are something that just the population has to live with and that's that's the sad reality at times but yes different recommendations are coming up and uh, i don't think that the indian researchers are 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 working but uh, the cdc is like you said the gold standard so that's what is being published and propagated all throughout the world and that scares me you know that scares me that we're asking our doctors to do everything we're, we're holding them responsible we're asking them to come out of this pandemic and then we're holding them back we're not giving them funding we're not giving them resources we're not giving them the right guidelines we are holding their hands and asking them to sounds it sounds scary and also on the fact on resources i just really want to understand why don't we have enough oxygen like why is there is there a lack of oxygen well it is the air uh, of course but uh, there is there is a lot of um, technicalities and wrong i mean when if, if i go into the scientific technicalities of it all uh, you do need a lot of raw material to build those plants to build those concentrators and everything else and once again uh, a major factor is lack of proper timely allocation of these resources and also you know the lack of accountability everybody in india works on the principle of chalta hai chal jayega not how pandemic should be dealt with and like we can see chal nahi raha hai so we we are seeing die of something as, of the lack of something as basic as oxygen which is practically the end and um over the past few days we've seen a lot of work going to building oxygen plants and all of this work should have ideally been done in the past one year the past six months Uh, they had ample time. They had ample time. The COVID wave wasn't so big, so it would have been safer for them as well. But uh, clearly, they had different things to think about and different things to deal with. Uh, and I think we're all bearing the brunt. So I would say the resources are there. It's just, I mean, obviously there is there is a paucity of resources for a country as large as ours. But if we use whatever we have in a judicious manner, I think we'd be Uh, much better equipped to dealing with all of this. We are in a very bad state right now, and it could have been easily, easily, easily avoided. Totally avoided. Alright, so let's try and look at the bigger picture here, or like try to talk about a brighter side to it. Uh, you mentioned that plants are being built right now. 
yeah do you think they're going to significantly lower the you know scarcity around oxygen moving forward well, like moving forward do. one week two week two weeks yeah well mm-hmm. i hope they do yeah yeah just that's it that's it no like i mean yeah of course i mean this is what was needed at the get go so if it's happening right now it will obviously help um yes we've lost a lot of people and the situation could have been better but i think even now if uh, we do have a proper uh, implementation of everything then we can uh, expect benefits to occur i believe uh uh so do you have anything to add anything to add um yeah i just feel like now when we talk about healthcare infrastructure we are building these plants we are talking now we're talking about you know making the world is talking about updating their healthcare infrastructure and having the best healthcare infrastructure in the world but it's it's really something that is useful when it's needed so a lot of governments don't really focus on it because it may not be needed but now we do see the fact that you know any day this pand i mean a lot of people were advocating before this pandemic came over that you know the world is going to see a pandemic and we need to update our healthcare facilities now do you think do you feel like our government is learning a lesson or do you think we are still going to work with chalta hai uh, situation i mean um i don't really think that's um, a question that i should be emphasizing on because you've already seen the kind of uh, priorities the government had with the second wave i mean the pandemic wasn't even over and they gave up on healthcare altogether and um, this is just from someone inside the fraternity that uh, the only reason we got away with the first wave was that uh, people were vigilant and the doctors held ground and what mm. was needed support from outside which didn't happen so um looking at the kind of uh, laws we already have and the kind of laws the government is passing these days i don't see a lot of emphasis on healthcare i do not and uh, that is something which is very very dangerous to all of us um and unless uh, there is a huge uproar and everybody stands up for their healthcare rights and their demands uh, we won't be able to come out of this and i mean you yourself must have experienced this or thought this ki a doctor itne paise kyun le raha i mean okay are you putting a price on your own healthcare <laughs> are you saying your your health is less than less worthy than probably dinner outside at, at a five star hotel i i, I don't understand people people's perspective on this so yeah i mean i guess when you when you try to put a price on your own health when you think about it in that perspective you realize that you need to invest a lot more mm-hmm. but um, i don't see the government doing that anytime soon i mean unless there is a huge uh, once again a movement uh, <laughs> but the government isn't really responding to movements either so i don't really know what's going to happen we're doomed <laughs> absolutely all right sanjana so now we're on the closing end uh, do you have any advice or any suggestions for our five listeners <laughs> i just say please just uh, take all safety measures that you can uh, please understand that you have civic responsibility and as educated people it's also your responsibility to propagate that awareness do not do anything stupid and please 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 uh, just show a little bit of empathy and respect to people working around you that could be anyone uh, not just doctors but everybody who's working on ground 
Today, our doctors are no less than soldiers. Imagine the burnout you feel after spending sleepless nights on an impossible project deadline, then multiply that with a thousand. Only then, maybe, we could empathize with them. So let's take off their workload. Break this chain because we have that privilege and stay at home until further notice. Period.